Hello and welcome to the Gentleman's Journal podcast, a fortnightly discussion all about success, modern business and the lives of entrepreneurs. I'm Joe Bullmore, I'll be your host for the day and I'm joined this afternoon by Emma Sale, the founder of Killing Kittens. Emma describes herself as one of the world's leading sex entrepreneurs and you might know Killing Kittens as the brand behind a world of high-end sex parties that put female empowerment at their core. Perhaps you've even been to one. This is certainly one of the more fascinating businesses that we've welcomed onto the show. It turns 15 years old this year, it's got more than 80,000 active members and it turns over many multiples of millions of pounds, as you'll find out. So it's quite heartening to learn that it was born out of a three-day party with no sleep on the island of Ibiza. This was a really enjoyable episode to record and Emma is a fascinating entrepreneur. We spoke about the importance of having a thick skin, the reaction of Emma's friends and family when they first learned of the idea and the incredible cross-section of very powerful people who happen to attend these remarkable events. But before we begin, I'd love to tell you about The Clubhouse, a new kind of private members club brought to you by Gentleman's Journal. Clubhouse members get two bumper issues of Gentleman's Journal magazine delivered straight to their door, full of all those invaluable insights from the worlds of entrepreneurship, style, politics and culture that you'd expect, as well as exclusive deals with a range of partner brands, restaurants and hotels, not to mention some lovely invitations to some very exciting events across the year. In fact, our podcast listeners, which is you, now get 20% off a Clubhouse annual membership meaning you'll get the full Gentleman's Journal experience for just under £48 a year, which sounds a bit like a bargain to me. Just enter the code POD20 at thegentlemansjournal.com slash club. That's P-O-D-20 at thegentlemansjournal.com slash club. Right, on with the podcast. Emma, thank you very much for joining us on the Gentleman's Channel podcast. Thanks for having me on. We have lots of very interesting people here, but none whose job, I suppose, inspires as much curiosity um, as yours. You're the founder of Killing Kittens. When you tell people you do that, what's the first question most people ask? You must have a kind of barrage um, of common questions. Most is like, well, no, I, always, I always joke there's sort of two reactions to what do you do. And when you mention Killing Kittens, there's... It's very black and white. There's either the ones who know about it and you get that, oh, kind of reaction. Or you get that, what the fuck, kind of reaction because it's called Killing Kittens, which is a ridiculous name. And for anyone that doesn't know what it is, it'd be like, well, why would anyone possibly call a business Killing Kittens? Where does that name come from? (laughs) Um, It is cyber slang for every time you masturbate, God kills a kitten. So if you're killing a kitten, you're just having a wank. Okay, good. Um, so, yeah, it was a three-month, not three-month, a three-night of no sleep wedding in Ibiza <laughs> when I suddenly went, right, that's the name I'm using. Okay. So. Were there other draft names? No. that no, was It was just that. sort of I wanted to do something and um, and then it just sort of was that kind of light bulb moment of, right, enough, I'm doing it. And yeah. I like KK, so it's always been KK yeah. from day one. Of course. Um, and Killing Kittens So it, it, it was all kind of born out of... Um, three nights without sleeping in Ibiza. Yeah. Am I to read into that that you were partying, not I was on Ill. water. You were on water. <laughs> no, Fine. we were partying and it kind of, it had been sort of a build-up of um, working in PR and working, doing the PR for the Erotica show and um, it was when Sex and the City was out and, and Summers was on the high street and it was, I think it was sort of 2004, 2005 and there was just kind of this sexual 
female sexual buzz going on and the media writing about this female sexual mm. revolution. And I just sort of was looking around going, well, it's not happening. Um, and it's still very unbalanced and it's still all sort of the sex worlds, the adults worlds run by the patriarchy and men are very treated very differently. They can go out and sleep with who they want and they're high-fived and legends. Um, but, you know, a woman has a one-night stand and they're slut-shamed or, and they're, you know, they keep it secret. And it was mm. sort of... I was sort of, you know, watching it all happening and the group I was in, out with in Ibiza with a very well-known group in London who sort of were all over the place sexually with very strong females in it. And I kind of was sort of watching and just thinking that actually... It was just with this anger in yeah. me that there was nothing... A, a no safe environment for women to explore their sexuality and yeah. feel in control and non-judged and it sort of had I'd been weighing on my mind a lot um, and, and I grew up in the Middle East and saw the imbalance there so I, I would say kind of the fire was burning yeah. um, and then I just went right that's it Anger, doing that's, it. A, that's a hell of a, hell of a driver to yeah. start a business I guess yeah. that is like the ultimate passion right when people yeah. say follow your passion I always say you have to have that fire in your belly yeah. to do something and really feel that you know you want to fix something so after that first realization how long till you put on the first event um about two months that's pretty quick yeah so about two months but it was you know these are parties that actually you can do with 20 people mm. um and i sort of thought i kind of knew enough people in london who i knew would come along to the event and some good women that would come along and i put like a one-pager website data capture email and had a bit of media um, around sort of what Killing Kitten stood for and sort of that got some more members signing up. So it kind of, the first event we did was about 40 people mm-hmm. um, and then just monthly from there and it's just sort of grown. And what's mm. the principle behind the event for people who don't know? So the whole ethos kind of behind Killing Kittens is, was it was, is, um, to create kind of a safe space and a safe environment online and offline where women are very much in control um, and a space um, to talk about their sexuality, to explore their sexuality. And and yes, you know, a lot of people look at it thanks to tabloids, Daily Mail favourite, um, <laughs> that, you know, there is sex that goes on at some of our events um, and that it's been labelled sex parties on some, you know, is, that, is, is it only some of the events? Um, it's not, not, yeah, no, it's not over, over half our events now, you are keep your clothes on. <laughs> and there are talks, there are big socials, panel debates, workshops, um, and we do them all over the world as well. So over half of the events are that side, and then you have the full-on Killing Kittens yeah. parties that are mass events in private houses all over the world. How yeah. did you convince, back in the early days especially, how did you convince private houses to... Did you tell them the nature of the parties and what might happen? Um, to start with, no. <laughs> okay. um, in a nutshell. Um, we'd hired only, you know, when you're dealing with 30 to 60 people, you'd kind of just, just rent an apartment or rent a house and not even that, you just rent it. I mean, we literally winged it. Um, really? Um, just for a weekend or...? Yeah, just for a night. Just for one so, night? So, yeah, fully. I always say that, you know, everyone's winging it. Okay. <laughs> Just the ones at the top are winging it better than the others. Ask permission, um, not forgiveness. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Ask forgiveness, yeah, yeah not permission. That one. That's one of my mottos. Um, so, yeah, but then the bigger we've got, and actually the more it's kind of become, you know, society's got on board a bit more, and especially the last sort of four years, we're approached by venues all the time, offering big country houses or you know, even little boutique hotels saying, do you want to 
Yeah. And there's a kind of constitution of rules that, that govern conduct at the parties. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the main one is men can't approach women. They have to wait to be approached. So it's very much on the female terms. And that's the same with the website. So the website is a big sort of social network, community slash dating mm. platform. And you have the same rules on there. Um, Did on Bumble go on to use that as a principle? Or there was another dating Bum- app? No, yeah, Bumble has that principle. So right. we, it, that's always been our principle. Okay. Um, Do you think they were inspired by you? That's another way of saying, did they take that from you? <laughs> Who knows? <Okay. laughs> that's the thing. There's a lot of, you know, you get, in the last four years, it's been funny hearing things about, you know, trailblazing, groundbreaking, dating apps and things who are doing this. And you're like, yeah, it's yeah. been 15 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, so... Um, no, I think Bumble, you know, the story with Bumble, wasn't she, yeah, was it Whitney Wolf? Um, yeah. Yeah, had a bit of a harassment issue and just sort of turned it around so that it became all about the women. So I'm pretty sure that was her idea, <laughs> not, not nicked off us. <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned there that it's now 15 years old. That's a big milestone. Are you having a, a super event? Are you having a big birthday um, party? We will. We always have our birthday parties in about October, November. So, we'll, yeah, we'll have a big... 15 year one we're doing we're doing a big series a um financial raise as well in september so i think i think this year when we do our birthday party it'll yeah it'll be a yeah. big joint that and obviously we're going to raise the money we want yeah, <laughs> so um yeah That'll i'll be a nice stop birthday present. and yeah. get a drink okay. <laughs> in a corner <laughs> it sounds great fun when you were starting this to start any business this kind of fraught with difficulties but i can imagine starting this there was a set of kind of personal difficulties that would come with it that most businesses wouldn't have when you tell your parents what you want to do your friends what you want to do did some people react oddly everyone (laughs) everyone I am yeah I mean pretty much 99.9% of the people around me were like what the fuck are you doing um (laughs) and you know I lost friends over it You, you sort of distance themselves from me who you know I've always sort of I've always pushed and I've always poked and you know sometimes I wish I wish I'd didn't poke as much yeah. <laughs> um, and push as much. Um, but, you know, I'm nearly 42. It's not going to change. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I've always done that. And I think they've everyone around me has always known that that's what I've done. So it was sort of there was no stopping me. Um, and my parents knew that. I think my dad lost it completely. Um, I didn't see that. Mum told me that he would nearly smash the computer. But, you know, Mum got it and she knew that this wasn't me, you know, being some serial shagger wanting to go out and sleep with as many people as I wanted. She knew that it was genuinely a business idea and she got where I was coming from. Yeah. I think she was more she was more worried about me as a mum that I would take abuse and that kind of thing. But, you know, close friends knew exactly what I was doing and why. But, you know, some of them didn't get it and thought... It, I think a lot of people thought it was a phase. You okay. know, I was 24, 25 and a bit crazy. Right. <laughs> um, and out the whole time and, you know, it's this sort of a fad that she's going to do for six months. And Yeah. Um, so that, that's the thing. I think a lot, you know, a lot of people around me didn't actually take the time to have a conversation as to why I was doing it, they just sort of put it in a box and yeah. thought I'd grow out of it. And did rumours kind of spiral about you on your kind of friends I know, absolutely. Friends I, still, well, I still get people when they meet me for the first time saying, you're not what we expected. And I'm like, what? what you what? expected some yeah. dominatrix in like leather and whips <laughs> and change. They're like, pretty much. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's still, I still get that reaction. And yeah. that's what people think. So I think having got married and had three kids, I think that's helped. <laughs> I can imagine. Help the illusion um, yeah. of being normal now. I mean, it must be very hard when, when you're that age and you're taking that kind of thing. 
I think I would have quit almost instantly, mm. even if two of my friends said I was. The thing is, I think, I think as I said, I've I've always been I've always been since I was tiny, tiny that if you tell me I can't do something, I'll do it, and then if you tell me again I can't do it, I'll do it even harder. <laughs> so it's it's I'm bloody minded, and yeah. it's it's sort of I think having that personality, the more people that said you're wrong and this is disgusting and seedy and you're completely batshit crazy yeah the more it fired me up to go i'm going to prove you wrong and actually to me it was sort of the more people reacted and especially when i I remember doing interviews right at the beginning and i said actually the strongest reaction i get is out is alpha males so actually the more i had that the more to me it kind of in my head cemented that actually it was needed yeah and you know you're on their turf and you're threatening their control and and actually, to me, that kind of justified it even more that it was needed. Um, so, yeah, wow. I'm still, I would joke now, there's, you know, I've still got a lot of people that I'm to prove wrong. So yeah. I'm still going. <laughs> and in that way, then your biggest opposers became your biggest supporters accidentally. Yeah, completely. That's the, That's the thing. And I laugh when people go, oh, my God, <laughs> someone said that about you. And are you not upset? I'm like, no. This Brilliant. is awesome. I'm still getting reactions out of people. Yeah. That, so, you know, so the day I don't get any strong reactions and there isn't someone slagging me off is the day I'm going to have to up my game a bit. Yeah, or find something new. <laughs> exactly. Do you think, um, I mean, what was the precursor to this? What Was there anything else out there at the time that was doing something similar? There, do you know what? There wasn't, there, I mean, there were sex party setups. Yeah. Um, um, but there wasn't there wasn't sort of a big community as such. There wasn't this sort of space. And you know, the di- this was what two thousand five. So the digital world really kind of I think Facebook launched around two thousand five or two thousand four or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so it kind of that social media community kind of hadn't really. Um, wasn't really there or there were lots of you know there were little groups they're kind of kink groups and different sort of sexuality groups yeah. um, but all again run by men pretty much of um, so there wasn't there was yeah there was nothing yeah there was nothing like it and who were the big players in the kind of I guess the the sex entertainment space. I don't even know how to describe it. To be honest, it. There were, kind of you had Playboy, you yeah. know what I mean? Stringfellows, you had, it's all the old school, when you, who you look at now and you go, you know, they're yeah. kind of they're sort past of there, it, past it, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, even if you look at what's happened with Victoria's Secret, you know, that, the big articles that have come out in the last month of, again, run by men and just not adapting. Yeah. And they've just now flat. <laughs> yeah. Um, Do you so, think... Yeah. It would have been impossible to start Killing Kittens as a man, even if you were a 24-man with the best intentions in the world. I think, yeah, I think back then it would have just been a man. Uh, that, I, think what, I think what's happened and what, you know, we get, um, you know, we get reviews from members and why they've joined and what KK means to them. And I think, you know, what I've seen is a big part of that is it was a woman doing it for them. And actually, as a woman, you want a woman because yeah. you know they get it. And again, because the whole of society, the whole world, is, is there's loads of stuff out there that are products for women. But when you look at who's launched them and designed them and, and you know, who owns the businesses, it's all men. Yeah. So it's sort of people want to trust that actually the people delivering the message and putting on the platform for them actually get their mindset. And sex to women is very different of course. to men. So... Yeah. So I want to go back to the early days a little bit. I can imagine that first event was a bit like hosting your birthday party when you've got that terror 
beforehand that no one's yeah. going to turn up. Yeah, do you know what, even so, now you still get, you do, do get that kind pre-party of, yeah, nerves. the pre-party, Adreno <laughs> poos as we call them. Okay. Um, so it is that, yeah, that, um, and it kind of, it, until everyone arrives, you've just got that apprehension and, and beforehand. And in our industry as well, it's kind of, it's a bit Benny Hill theme tune. And there's stuff that's, so much has happened and venues last minute, gone okay. and beds haven't arrived in time or they're going through the back entrance while the guests are coming through the front. Wow. It's just, there's just always been stuff. So you, we cannot predict that it's going to be a perfect delivery yeah. every time we try. Um, and we've pretty much nailed it now, but there's always sort of part of you that goes, something could. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And what's your role on, I presume you don't go to every event, but no, what's no, your no. role when you're, when you're at an event? To be honest, I don't really, days. that's the thing. Well, at the beginning, you know, at the beginning, it was just me for the first six years, I think. And you were kind um, of welcoming people. I'd welcome, and then actually our events director, Cleo, um, she's been on board for 14 years and was the original door girl. Um, so and then came on board six years ago full time um, so it's kind of me and her and we just host it and wander around chatting to everyone and it's I guess the same principle as any party you want to make people feel welcome yeah. and, and, and we've kind got of the, it's atmosphere. the same now so we've got you know a whole events team we've got different hosts as well so every event we have there's you know between four and seven girls wandering around all in the same outfits yeah making sure everyone feels comfortable welcoming people at the door also you know getting NDAs signed now yes. so yeah yeah I've got questions about that later the kind of the um now in the age of social media but we'll get to those yeah so I want to talk about the fundamentals of the business um what percentage of your revenue I guess comes from events is that now um, the core so we're pretty much no we're pretty much um 50 50 okay. online I think we're just over so when we're considered a sex tech business now because actually most of the revenue is we have more revenue from the online yeah. side um, and it was that when I looked at that four years ago I looked at the figures and realised it was 50-50 but we were a team of four people all offline and that was just before Me Too happened and that's when I went something if this is going to fly we've got this whole yeah. tech side with no tech people basically and that actually if people got hold of that who knew what they were doing then actually were onto a winner and then suddenly Me Too happened I was like right this is literally this moment. is now it now is our time and if someone else comes along then we're idiots yeah. um you know some tech silicon valley jumpstart with millions comes on board and flies over the top of us as a startup in this space then you missed the boat i'll bitch that myself um okay. so um so yeah so then got an amazing ceo on board and you know sort of my partner in crime and a complete tech strategy guru and um and yeah so me and him sort of work very closely He's the yin to my yang. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very offline. He's very on. Okay. Um, and yeah, and so the tech side, we've, we've raised, done two raises in the last um, two years, raised over a million. And uh, that's all on the tech digital sure. growth of it all. And how many members are on the tech side? Um, over 160,000. Wow. Um, so the new tech's all launching in the next couple of months, an app. And yeah, an app as well and all that kind of And then how jazz. does that sit next <laughs> to the, um, the traditional... The real world business. Do you so have the, to be a member on the app? Yeah. So the the way it's protected, and obviously it's been, we've had to jump through, spent a lot of money on legals, um, and because you know, everything's changed. I mean, we originally the the ticket, the ticketing was sort of there was a price for a single girl, and there was a price for a couple, but now that would discriminate against guys because they're charging, we're charging more right, for a guy to okay. come. So the way the new site works is we've got the kittens association. And that's only females can be members. And so there's a member's price and they can invite 
their other half so whether that's their husband okay. boyfriend all come as a single girl so then you can have that you can, we've kept the ticket prices the same um, so we have anyone can join the, the big site but then if you want to be party verified and come to one of the, the long killing kittens parties you have to join the kittens association which is another okay. another vetting process um, and then you can buy the ticket so Fine. it's sort of yeah there's hoops within a hoop <laughs> yeah of course and party verified is there a committee that kind of um, there's two girls there's two girls in the office that yeah. will do that yeah. and is there I mean I know that all clubs are kind of slightly secretive about their criteria but what are they to be honest, it's not. There's always been this kind of. I get messages from people now going, "Oh, how can we become a member?" I'm like, "You just join the website. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty easy." Um, it's not. There, you have to give a reason why you want to join the kittens association. So mm-hmm. that, bear in mind, it's just women that join that. So it's very easy to see if you're joining for the right reasons. Um, what would be the wrong reasons to join? That if I mean, it's not, it's a lot easier now that we've we've done it. We've done this association, and because before you'd get guys on there. And they just give CD things and they're looking for hookups and they're looking, you know, as in it was, yeah, sort of, um, and dick pics flying in as headshots. Um, So it was a lot easier, yeah, so it's a lot easier now because everyone's joining for the right reason. And but they have to, you know, submit photos where they just look kind of normal. (laughs) So um, they clothed photos. Yeah, clothes. Right. Um, And they have to they have to do photos and copy kind of a pose of another a computer-generated picture, so we, we know they're genuine people. Oh, okay, um, that's they haven't thing. just stolen on the Yeah, people's. and if you're joining as a couple, then you both have to okay. do the photo, so that you can't, it's, it's not guys like pretending to be a couple. So okay, it's, fine, um, yeah, yeah. So to be honest, it's not, that's the thing, you're not, we're not looking for, you know, supermodel no. photos. Um, it's to just to basically verify that you're genuine people and joining for genuine reasons. Yeah, of course. And let's talk about that discretion element then, and I imagine that you get lots of applications from people who the tabloids or anyone would be interested to know were at these kind of parties do you have to sign ndas and you have to put back you have to online when you when you join as a member there's an online nda and then when you attend the events you sign ndas at the door yeah on that front and can you take your phone in so phones are banned you can take it you have them in your pockets but we have people wandering around in security and and you know we don't allow phones to be visible yeah. in there, and you know I, we've always joked that no one's ever checked into a Killing Kittens party no. on social media <laughs> or posted a picture at one. So wow. um, have people ever broken NDAs or tried to? Uh, do you know what? One I shall control my language. Um, female in Ireland did signed it and everything, and then there was a thing in the Sunday. But when we sued and. Um, and got an apology, but I mean, they'd already done it with some photos inside. Wow. But that was a few years ago. And that's um, the only kind of leak you've had? Yeah, because they just can't... I mean, A, we get a lot of journalists coming down as members. <laughs> so really? They've kind of shot themselves in the foot on that front. Um, oh, as in as just in actual, members. actual members, not yeah. trying to, so, to sting? Okay. Um, and senior ones, so it's sort of... I would say it's a bit of like Freemasons. Do you yeah. remember them? Yeah. Okay, nice. So as long as you get um, enough powerful, powerful people there's inside, a, Yeah, there's enough yeah, from every industry in there that... Is it, yeah. is it a true cross-section? Have we got it's politicians? Complete, yeah, it's a complete and utter cross-section of every kind of industry. You name an industry, there are members in there. Okay. Um, from the entertainment business, through to the media, through to finance, politics, you've got, you've got them all. Yeah. Um, and um, every time I go, I do pop into one. If I'm out, out in town with friends and there's one on, we'll go, I'll say, yeah. let's go for drinks. A, I know I'm going to get a seat. <laughs> so, um, and you can just sit there having chats around the bar and stuff. And I like meeting members. I like listening and meeting them and you know that's always been what I love people so 
Yeah. Um, I try and go down to at least one a month, go to one somewhere. Okay. Um, and there's always, you know, people do business deals. I see business deals. Really? Done. Or you say, how did you guys meet? And you're like, yeah, you know how they met. <laughs> you okay, know, fine. Out and about. We've done this deal with this guy. Wow. Oh, actually, we met him at one of your parties. So. so it's kind of like a secret society. Yeah. God, that's I want like secret cufflinks. You should do that. Mm, I think so. Okay, interesting. <laughs> well, I'll look out for them if I, I don't know what to be on them. Maybe a, do you, what's your logo? Is it a it's case? It's two, two kind of interactive Ks, which yeah. Yeah, I think cufflinks would look cool. Awesome. And mm. let's t- talk about the team here then. What do you look for when you're employing people to work here? You know, at the moment, there's 14 of us, I think, and it's, it's still very family. So, I mean, not literally family, but it's like a family. So, and a quite a dysfunctional one. <laughs> so yeah. there's sort of, um, so even if on paper someone's like completely qualified, for a role we want we've had a few people they just don't fit so there's that slightly unhinged kind of but open-minded and um you've got to have and you've got to get it because that's the thing there are people that don't do they just don't get it they don't get what you're doing they, they apply don't get it. And they then might they apply and, yeah. and even women that's the thing we've had women work then you just know that they they just don't get what we're trying to do um, what do you mean by that they don't in get it the, because it's sex so a lot of people just see sex as sex and they don't get the intricacies of it and the bigger picture and actually what what KK is all about. They're sort of they'll see it very much well, why would people wanna yeah. you know, sleep with strangers at parties? It's sort of um and they're never gonna get around it. It's like trying to convert people religion wise. Yeah. You just go, Well, that's their opinion. That's you that's know, their that. mindset and, and sex is very much sort of that kind of mindset. Yeah, of course. Um yeah. How's the concept being received internationally? Um, really well, actually. So New York's doing really well. Yeah. Um, New York, we do monthly. Um, in February, we're launching like, the socials out there. Um, and Sydney, we do every other month. So yeah, kind of good. quite liberal cosmopolitan so, yeah, cities. So yeah, exactly. Be. And that's what we need, sort of... It's, uh, us, London, we say it's a hub. So we, we're looking at cities where we can copy what goes on in London from the online dating side mm-hmm. to, the, to the offline events it kind of so at the moment sort of New York and Manchester are the two big ones that were literally replicating London and going full steam ahead yeah. on everything the socials the panel talks the full-on killing kittens ones and then you know the aim is once we've get, got them up and running and proved that actually we can you know do the same thing yeah. in other cities then we look, we'll look at other cities um uh, yeah. Is there anywhere where you've tried to launch and it's really flopped? No, I mean because we do sort of we do we've done some one-off events in different cities. I mean we've done a couple in LA. I mean if we really pushed it, we could go there. We just don't have enough hands on deck. But it is like for example, LA is one of those places that it's all clean-cut living image, yeah. but underneath they're all dirty bastards <laughs> and um, at it left, right, and centre. So it's sort of in that kind of culture. You know, you yeah. drive around the streets of LA at like 11 p.m. at night, and it's just dead. It's sort of, yeah. but they're all having big, crazy house parties, and it's kind of that kind of made a call quite early on that actually, you know, one day we'll go there, but it's just not. It hasn't got that kind of cosmopolitan. Yeah. So it's a, just a bit too showy, um, and people are all about their clean-cut image and squeaky okay. clean and stuff. So. Um, but then there's cities like Amsterdam and Berlin that have very big kind of sex club setups and things like that where you just have to kind of tweak your offering because when people are used to going to places where they, you know, don't have to pay or they pay 20 quid, why would they, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so it's sort it's of, much more yeah, we're just yeah. very aware of how the different cities operate. I want to ask you about your advice for any 
entrepreneurs and it's interesting you talk about that kind of anger and fire and that mm. that drive a lot of people find it hard to find something that animates them like that how how does one track it down or find it in themselves um to be honest like everyone talks about you know you've got to find your passion and and to me it's like I know a lot of people that sort of that actually stumps them because they and then they start panicking because they're like well what are we passionate about and I've always, I always just say, to me, it's that being completely open-minded and being curious about everything. I mean, we launched a series of events called Curious Kittens that um, was just that, that curiosity in the talks and things. And, and I just say that in life, if you go out and just look everywhere and speak to everyone, even if they've got their resting bitch face on and they look really miserable, it's like I try and, like, kill people with kindness and niceness and break them down and see the most miserable, angry-looking people as the biggest challenge when okay. I go into <laughs> an event or something. And, and it's that just being... asking questions and if you're just being curious about everything around you. By doing that, then things come up, things happen. You'll find things that will just sort of go, actually... I've just seen that and I would never have seen that yeah. if I had been, you know, looking down the whole time and not speaking to everyone. And and so, you know, my advice of that is just, it's, you've got to have that curiosity about everything. Um, and that tends to lead you down paths that you never thought. And most people, when, you know, launching businesses, you know, even me, if I hadn't had that curiosity, I wouldn't have launched this. Yeah. Leaving university... You know, I always say, you know, I, I, growing up, you know, when I grew up, I wanted all guys orgies. No one said. So no. it's sort of, it wasn't something in my career plan yeah. um, at all. But it was just being curious about the world and then going, no, that's not right. And that's not right. That led me down, that led me down this path. And most entrepreneurs, it's the same. And when you ask them why, it wasn't something they planned. Yeah. Going, right, I'm going to go out and, you know, unless you're launching a recruitment business or a state agent or, you know, something that's just sort of very, that's what you want to do. And, but, you know, most of the kind of crazy entrepreneurs or businesses are the disruptive ones have sort of come from people wanting to, f to fix an injustice, mm. to change the way the status quo and how things operate. And so that's my advice on that. And, and, it was, and that, you know, you've got to ignore the white noise of the people around you telling you that it can't work and it won't happen. Because people like their comfort zones, people like the norm, people like, you know, that what they're used to and mm -hmm. what society has always said they can and can't do. Um, so they're going to tell you that it's wrong and it won't work. And that's just human's default position yeah. on responding to things it's like can't, won't, don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so you've got to ignore all that. And if your gut is telling you that you really believe in it, you just have to go for it. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Um, I went through different phases. Um, I was a bit of a tomboy. I loved my, I was a complete sports nut and um, at prep, prep school, I had short hair and um, I wanted to be a mechanical engineer for a while. Um, and then I, was, I loved my science and maths and um, physio. So I went to do, I did sports science at university with the, I started it thinking I'll go and do a master's in sports physio um, and go down that route. But what I discovered at university was I was very good at organising all the social okay. functions <laughs> um, and, and that kind of side of it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I actually went into PR after uni. I How thought I'm going to keep my sport as my hobby. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I went into financial PR and had a few harassment issues and I think that fueled the fire as well. And I just realised that was all a very patriarchal world and I, I was told I'd be a troublemaker if I took it further. So... That's when I kind of 
jumped into entertainment PR and um, yeah, we worked on this um, erotic exhibition that got me into kind of the sex industry and different clients in the adult world. And that's when I sort of yeah kind of had the whole sex world. Okay, it all and, makes sense yeah. now. I yeah. should have led with those questions. Perhaps. So it was all kind of this, yeah, this sort of journey. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Does this place run like a sports team on a one big social? It, drink? Do you know what it does? And that's kind of I'm used to being in teams. Yeah, I've always been in teams since and I was little. How many people? Fourteen. There's fourteen, so and you have, like, you know. and that's the thing. And I'm used to being in teams, and I'm used to, you know, you have a you have a team captain. You might have a club captain. You have a you know a vice captain. You but then you also have the players that are the best players that yeah. aren't necessarily the captain and stuff. So it's kind of, to me, that's how our work team works because actually you kind of, I look at people, their skill sets and they're way better players than I am. Well, most of them are in the areas they're yeah. in, but I'm kind of the good, you know, I'm not even a good manager. You're I'm a good captain. leader. Yeah. I don't do detail. So I kind of can't really manage the people around me, but I can, you know, be there kind of pushing them on and pulling them along. And, and that's kind of how I've always operated. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been a detailed person. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard you talk as well about um, mentors, the power of kind of mentorship. Did you have mentors at the start who, who helped you? No, I think that, yeah, I, doing what I did, there, because there was no one doing it because it was, you know, it, there was no women in doing what I did around me. So I kind of, what I did do, I didn't have a specific mentor, but I just, from when I was left university, went out to networking events and just went, even though I was by far the youngest and just thought, sod it, I'd drag myself out, make myself go speak to, you know, speak to loads of people in their 40s and 50s who were directors. And I think I just sort of was a sponge. Yeah. Um, and just going out and getting information. And I... I love people and the energy of people and I just sort of find, and I'm still great friends with loads of people I met in my 20s and they're all like in their 60s and 70s now. Um, but they're all people that I just, there was something about them and an energy about them that was kind of this charismatic thing that I could learn from and I just kept in contact and I'd meet them for coffees and and you just sort of learn off these successful yeah. people. Just, just by, by their, just by being around them and listening to how they operate. Yeah. Um, and I think that was kind of, yeah. That the comes back to I the got. curiosity yeah. and the openness to kind of new ideas. Yeah, so mum's always said I collect people. Okay. <laughs> and like, I have a weird eclectic mix of friends. Um, Do you? I can imagine yeah, you've got a very Yeah, across all ages. And I still, yeah, that's the thing. I love, I just love people and, and I'm fascinating by people. And I have some great friends who are like early 20s and I have great friends in their 70s. It's okay. sort of, they just... They're interesting people. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. I bet you've got some good people for this podcast. Um, what do you think your advice would be to Emma 15 years ago? Um, you don't know everything. Okay. <laughs> so I think that self-awareness has kind of come on in my 30s. And I think, you know, I've had three kids in the last six years and you kind of have to delegate and yeah. relinquish control. And you become, become I'm very self-aware <laughs> and... I'm a proper pain in the ass a lot of the time. And um, I don't know everything. And I think the minute you you realise that and you get help, I think mm -hmm. in the beginning I was sort of fine by myself and I could do everything. I didn't need anyone else in the business side. But the minute I sort of relinquished that and realised that actually I needed to look around, and write, oh, I can do that, but I can't do that, and I can't do that, and I can't do that. The can't list is much longer than the can okay. list. Um, that's true of everyone. And though, yeah, isn't it? exactly. We don't so think like that. that's the thing. I'd say, you know, realize what, take more, be a little bit more aware, self-aware. Okay. And what would you <laughs> congratulate her on? 
Um, just being a badass. Okay. Um, <laughs> and and just going for it. Yeah. That's the thing. And I'd say just don't whatever you do, don't give up. Um, yeah. Definitely. That I literally head down. I'm an Aries as well, and anyone who believes in star signs, anything like that, I always guess I'm an Aries. It's really? the Ram. <laughs> it's okay. like yeah, it's just sort of head down and yeah. ramming straight through. Are you a, are anything. you a what's it astrology? Astro- yeah, astrology. Yeah. Are you into that? Do you know what? I kind of I'm not I don't know all the ins and outs, but I know enough and I know enough friends where actually you go actually it's bang on <laughs> for most people I know. Okay. Yeah. You can't cold read people. I was going to ask you what what you think I am. If you get it right, it'd be very impressive. So you may as well have a guess. And if it's wrong, we'll edit it out. <laughs> I don't know. Sagittarius. No, I don't even know where that is. It's Pisces. <laughs> apparently, I'm a classic Pisces. But apparently that means um, kind of superficially charming, but almost sociopathic, which I hope isn't true. I don't know. You that's could what be. one girl said. It's like you're narcissistic. No, I don't think that's no? true. No? I don't. I wouldn't dress like this. Charming narcissist. No. No. Okay. God, that sounds terrible. No, I've had that before. Have Maybe you? I'm just talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's all it is. Just lots of projection. So since 15 years ago, how much do you think attitudes to sex has changed, particularly among women? Um, massively and it, especially the last four years it's just sort of snowballed the last four years and I think that's the thing it's sort of this Me Too movement has um, it's just fired you know lit the fire under sort of the female population um, and it's changed I mean it, it's changed massively but I, I think what I've seen is sort of what changes first is the freedom and independence financially women have and jobs that all kind of came first that equality bit and then I think what you know what then happens is when you've got that freedom and the independence and you know you're not tied to a man you know you know so you don't have to behave (laughs) on that front and you then go well actually I'm totally independent I earn my own money therefore what's stopping me exploring sexually um and so that then opened up women on the sexual level and it's always I've always said it from day one there's you know the Kinsey Institute the the sexuality scale of sort of one to seven and men tend to be more one and seven um and women are very much three four five so I've always said women are much more Mm. naturally touchy-feely we we are much naturally bisexual really and bi-curious it's just how females operate and you know I've always said a lot of girls like bollocks right at the beginning although less and less now say that it's like I don't know a girl that hasn't thought about what it would be like to kiss a girl or that and you walk down the street and I probably check out girls more than I check out guys it's just sort of um so you know so actually the natural inbuilt female you know level is that um, and, and actually now society and socially it's more acceptable. So we're seeing, I've seen a massive shift in women actually and, and women in couples and women who have been in 20, 30 year marriages who now, you know, we're a lot of our members. It's the woman in the relationship that is bi-curious or bisexual. Um, and that's what's driving them to the parties. Yeah. And I'm so, sure yeah. the husband isn't furious about it. Let's but- be honest. It's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> uh, is that on the other side, is it, do you think... It's harder perhaps for men to, to rate themselves three or four on the scale than women. They find that there's more of a stigma behind that. There is, but what we're also finding and what I'm seeing um, in our events and in our members that actually I think because the women are doing it, we're now seeing for the first time that it's some man-on-man softer action that goes okay. on at the event. So Is that it, permitted? Think, is that all right? It is permitted. We, we just It's sort of not full-on in your face. In right. the, you know, It's kind of... Yeah, there's nothing aggressive. Okay. <laughs> in fact, we are we are seeing it, and actually, the, it doesn't bother the women at all. And I think a lot of that is that you provide a comfortable, safe space, um, 
and it's the norm, it's sort of, well, actually, you know, it's we're in this fluid world now where it's not black and white and it's a whole grey area and what there's like, I don't know, how many sexual identities are there now? I don't know, I've lost count. <laughs> All I know is Piers Morgan is a penguin, apparently. <laughs> um, he identifies as a penguin. Does he? Yeah. Um, So, you know, I don't know half of them. (laughs) I think on your site, actually, we've got, I think, about 12 options. Okay. I couldn't name them. No. No. How much do you think killing kittens has influenced that that change in attitudes? Um, I don't know. I think we've been a big player in the female sexuality side and changing that acceptance and... I don't know. Do you know what? I have been head down as that ram, just ramming through to do it and it's like the last couple of years and like it's 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 been weird because especially the last year last year it's suddenly there's a lot of business press on us and me doing you know sort of business talks and up for awards and I'm like this is weird you know it's just not it's completely out of my comfort zone it's not something that was ever planned and I'm so used to you know I call our group you know I know chat group the slack sort of work group it's it's named gladiators because it's just sort of been us sort of yeah. battling through and bounce you know telling people to sod off and defending ourselves and fighting for what we do that suddenly it's sort of actually it's like as if you kind of appear in the arena and everyone's cheering okay and you think and, and, Patty, and you else. go yeah it's everyone yeah else is dead on the floor it's always like a zombie film you just sort of, yeah <laughs> everything looks the same but it, the energy's changed okay i can imagine <laughs> do you think then there'll be a uh, dame emma sale kbe I think, you know, you've got to aim high. Right. Prime Minister. Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. God, that would get be good. Get shit done, change stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds like a different podcast. We need to get into that. Um, you also launched the Sister app. Yeah. Which is spelt S-I-S-T-R. T-R, very tech. Very tech, isn't it? <laughs> um, but, um, can you tell us a bit about that? So that, that we launched um, the beta site um, summer last year, and then we've done a lot of sort of research groups and testing and... The main side of that will launch this year. Um, and that's, it's a big platform empowering women on a professional, professional women. Um, and the whole point of it is that it's a huge platform where all these groups out there at the moment, you've got loads of women's networking groups. You've got, you know, industry specific ones. You've got ones in different towns and villages and all over, but they've got, most of them don't have any tech. They don't have that online community. You go to an event, you've got nothing afterwards to see who went message people who went so oh you know the whole point of sister is to is to enable this world like a female linkedin um and we do lots of events we do panel talks um and at the moment the way the platform is you can sign up for free you can then search and browse other members you can get help you can message them individually um so there's a big mentoring side to it but again mentoring we're not we're taking away that word really from it because again it's quite a male black and white word and setup and it kind of implies the mentor and the mentee and there's and actually the way women work most women we kind of undersell ourselves me not so much um, <laughs> we undersell ourselves and you know we wouldn't you'd sit there and you'd be the most qualified. I've got friends who are the most qualified females I know, and they're so successful. But if you said, "Oh, you could seriously help someone," they'd be like, "How?" You know, we you wouldn't put yourself forward as a mentor. Right. Whereas every man would Whereas quite like to stand men oversell picture. themselves. Yeah. It's just that's just how it works, and um, and that's a big reason why there aren't loads of women in the higher positions as well. It's yeah. like we can't, you know, blame men for everything. We've got to look at ourselves and the way we operate. Um, yeah. And so, you know, so us and the site is. 
the new profiles and everything when registering, well, what can you help with? What's your skill? Even if it's a picking wine in a bar. <laughs> well, you know, it's sort of everyone has something they're good at and can help do. Yeah. And I, you know, I could learn off loads of people. I could learn off, you know, girls in their 20s who, you know, our social media manager, you met, I think she's 22, 23. She could mentor me on some things because I don't know anything about social media. It's it, that everyone can help everyone in some way. Mm-hmm. So rather than it being very sort of, black and white you've got mentors and mentees it's sort of yeah kind of guidance and being part of a community that yeah um, yeah i want to ask you about the future of killing kittens before we go into the final part of the podcast has anyone ever approached you to buy it um they have yeah in the last day a few people a few people have and we've you know we've done these raises now and the series a raise in september you know we doubled the value last year from the year before so it kind of, you know, you do, when you do, when you go into the raising money territory, you've got to have a, an exit plan. Yeah. I mean, I've never really had an exit plan. This is my life, living, breathing it. But now, you know, you've got to change your mindset. And um, and so on that level, that, you know, there are do- lots of possible exits. I don't think I could ever fully exit yeah. it. And I think the nature of what it is, I'd probably, you know, if it did get sold, they'd probably want my opinion. I did voice <laughs> in the mix. Um, as well so who knows we're not in a position to sell well we are in a position we would but it would have to be because of the the growth rate and the potential it's sort of I wouldn't want to sell for a good couple of years um, until everything we want to do has sort of been built and out there and then no I can't imagine you in an early retirement really yeah and I'm completely unemployable so (laughs) (laughs) what would I do I don't think that's true (laughs) at all I, I wonder if there will become a stage where um, this kind of thing is so socially accepted mm. that actually you don't have that fight left and you've lost and you might lose the passion. You might be a victim of your own success, if you see what I mean. Be like, it's normal. Yeah, and everyone now will what? go, well, we don't need Emma Sales in this world. Yeah. You'll probably have to go to something else. Know. What would you do? I don't know. I think, well, the thing is, though, you know, we've had Killing Kittens and now we're launching, you know, launching Sister and I'm sort of doing kind of both. And actually, the Sister side of things, I think, is something that's evolved from me evolving and getting older and looking back and thinking, well, what can I give back and what would I wanted in my 20s to help out? And um, so kind of, you know, as I constantly evolve in the different stages that I go through through life, there'll be something that comes up that yeah. would fit. So, you know, you've got a sister that no one's done, you know, our plans for that and what we're launching tech-wise, that's sort of quite disruptive and no, and no one's done that part. Um, so it's sort of... Maybe once that's up and running and KK's up and running on the sexual side of it all, maybe there'll be something else that fits and where I am in life. And yeah, which I go, actually, that hasn't been done and I need that in my life right now. And yeah, yeah of course. So let's do that. We look forward to it. <laughs> what do you think you'd be doing if you weren't running Killing Kittens? If you'd never had that three Do you know what? Binge? I think I'd be a, a surgeon, a brain surgeon wow. or something. Really? Yeah. Were you into no, medicine? Just, I love medicine. I love medical programs. I love gore. I'm not squeamish really? at all. I was a real scientist at school. And, you know, uni, I did science. Um, and I think, and that pressure, working under pressure and that kind of calmness. I think it's slightly psychopathic as well. I think that it's probably that narcissist as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that fits. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, um, nice. So yeah. Yeah, I think most surgeons are. They've got to be. You've got to be. Yeah. Love themselves a little bit to think that they can save a life. Yeah, or it? just that. I think there's a, there's a book called The Wisdom of Psychopaths, which someone gave me and said you need to read it. I was like, perfect. Um, <laughs> and actually, but it's actually all about how you know you say about psychopaths, but actually some of the you know the airline part, you know the big airline pilots or CEOs and surgeons, they all they have a level because you have to stay the course and focus yeah. and you can't be distracted by emotion and so it's that part that yeah is a psychopath are you good under pressure in a high pressure yeah situation? completely so i just don't yeah flinch <laughs> are you flinching on the inside but just kind of oh yeah totally face? crapping myself inside okay. a lot of the time but yeah. i've always said like to the event staff it's like even if something goes wrong everyone's feeding off your energy yeah and you have to act like there is nothing going yeah, going smile. wrong, even though you're shitting yourself. Okay, yeah. open another bottle of champagne. Yeah, exactly. That usually sorts it. Exactly. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure it's more complex than that. Uh, what's your worst habit? Hmm. My worst habit? I don't know. I don't have, I don't have huge, I don't know, I'm a real nail biter, but that's really dull. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there's some deep psychology in that. I'm not going to dig into it, but no, something. But yeah. A lot of people bite nails. It must be. Well, pick, pick when I'm always fiddling. Yeah. You probably notice. I literally hands are always moving and fiddling. Do you know? Probably I don't sit still. There's always something twitching. Okay. Um, and like if I'm again that flinching, that poker we were talking about, me good poker player. Um, is and the girls who know me well in the office. If I'm on a call or something in the office, if I'm angry, then my right leg starts literally. Okay. Twitching. <laughs> Nothing else moves. I'm still smiling, wow. but there's a leg that starts. So if you ever the see twitching, the, the right so, knee jumping... Yeah, I think it's probably twitching. Trouble. I literally, there's always okay. something twitching. <laughs> I'm sure that's not a terrible habit. What's the most impressive thing you can cook? Um, do you know what? I can cook... I make stuff. Like, again, I think, again, it's that personality. That I can't follow a recipe. I have to make right. it my own. So I'll, yeah, have a basic, and then I'll see what's in the fridge and just throw it all. Okay, so there's no recipe. I create. You, just kind of, you create. Yeah. Do I never follow recipes. Yeah, they do taste really okay. good. I'm a really good cook. Um, you're so, yeah. kind of a jazz cook you're I am, just I am proper cook. jazz impromptu <laughs> cook of what is around what spices what's in the fridge and what knowing what will go with what and okay. I'll, I'll literally like I'll get home tonight and look and see what meat's in the fridge what veg wow. and decide to create <laughs> has anything gone horribly wrong like that or they mm. always they're amazing. always they're always alright I think I've learned because you learn spices and Fine. everything that goes with what and that is a true talent to put anything together at short notice mm. And feed some people. It's that, yeah. That'll get you far, I think. Um, <laughs> what are you most proud of so far? Um, do you know what? I think probably being able to still be smiling and still alive and not having killed any of my three children um, <laughs> and having them, having three children in the last six years with everything that's gone on in society and growing the business to what it is, um, I think that's probably keeping that balance, having being able to balance... Um, is what I'm most proud of yeah. whilst keeping my sanity. <laughs> have there been really tough moments? Have, have you been felt kind of attacked in the press or personally? Um, really, really difficult? No, to be honest, I've kind of, I've developed a thick skin very early on. Yeah. So even like, yeah, Daily Mail headlines or whatever, I just, I have a very strong group of friends and family. Um, and I've always, I make a real effort with them. And I think that, you know, that social support group is vital and all the mental health you know stuff that came out last year always said the number one thing is your social network and that's always something I've invested in and um and that sort of that keeps me sane and that sort of well if you know they know and I only really value their opinions um so 
anything else that's said, it's just sort of... Yeah. Do you read Daily Mail comments, for no, example? No, I stopped that after about two years. I can't imagine that's They were fun. pretty full on. <laughs> really? What are people so angry about? I don't know, I just usually. think that if, you know, a lot of people, that the people that have time, it's like people on Twitter, the people that have time to, yeah. to troll and comment have nothing going on in their lives. Because everyone I know that has something going on in their life don't have the time or to comment on a daily care. mail piece yeah. or, you know, send 20 tweets in a day. Abusing people. It's like you literally have nothing better to do with your lives. So I, actually, I just feel sorry for them. I've learned very quickly that it's their issues, it's their problems, it's their insecurities, it's something going yeah. on. They're not happy people. So, you know, when we get something in office, I'm very quick to go, they're obviously not a happy person. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Good. So don't, don't worry about that. No. What's your biggest failure then been so far? Um, I think that, I mean, there is that when you you make sacrifices and I think anyone that you know, sets up a business and that's their, you know, it becomes a bit of your be all and end all. So you, you know, you've sacrificed actually some friendships. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's that, which you could see as a failure um, on one hand, but I think you choose, you know what I mean? You choose the path. Yeah. You go on and you can't, and you really can't do everything. Um, and you, you know, and but again, it's sort of, that part of my personality is, is that, I don't really see failure. It's sort of, you look back and you go, oh, well, that didn't work and that failed. But at the time, you don't even think about it. You just think, oh, how am I going to make it work? Yeah. Or, you know, swerve in this direction yeah. and pivot to make something. It's only when you look back and you go, actually, that concept failed miserably and that. So, but at the time, yeah, I'm not really one that goes, oh my God, I failed. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. probably have massively. <laughs> <laughs> just haven't noticed yeah exactly if you could learn a new skill what do you think it would be Science. play the guitar really yeah I'd you, you know what? I'd love I played the piano at school I played the trombone actually for seven years at school but again no one else at school played it and it was an all girls school so I decided that I needed to play the trombone <laughs> really was there a place for you in the orchestra that they there need was. a trombone right yeah Same I was in the orchestra in the first orchestra from the age of like nine I was in the orchestra first orchestra they were desperate I for a trombone I wasn't any good at it but you know what did everyone else want to play? Violin and flute? And but, uh, everyone played the violin, which sounded yeah. disgusting. Exactly. Recorder, you know. Trombone, much better. Yeah, way better. Really I played cool. the trumpet. Did you? But I, the only concert we ever had that my parents came to, the guy next to me had, um, had a cough. So he, he kept coughing through his trumpet oh, and it destroyed the whole brass section. So you blame um, the other person? It, well, that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> Maybe I've made it all up and I'm the guy with the cough. I don't know. But I remember walking out of that feeling utterly crestfallen because we practiced this... Yeah. song and then he'd and messed he ruined it up it. I'm sure you know, you I'm sure let it a go? guy now no not going to let it go uh, not going to let it go but you know what I didn't play the trumpet after that I could have been Miles Davis mm. I don't think I could have been Miles you know Davis. I picked up the trumpet not the trombone again about 10 years ago um, and ex's grandpa had it and they had an old trombone in the loft and I played it and, and it all came back and yeah when the saints go marching in yes was that amazing. was the first one I learned as literally. well literally yeah, he um, said it was one of the hardest things. I did, I did find the trombone and then marched downstairs from the bedroom and playing it naked. So really, he went. That was just fucking epic. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, amazing. Um, well, you should take um, yeah, so up a new instrument then. Yeah, you, guitar. I'd love to play trombone. the guitar. To me, it'd be like a chilled or ukulele. Yeah, and I think using your your brain and your hands and your yeah. kind of muscles. We, we don't often learn new muscle mm. skills. In adulthood. Yeah, and it's quite chilled. I think I'm so busy in a thousand miles per hour in all parts of my life, which is only getting quick, quicker and quicker and quicker. 
that actually even like building lego <laughs> last weekend <laughs> yeah. I, hate, I hate lego i've always said i hated lego but recently my son's turned five he keeps getting lo- given a lot of lego yes that it's actually really therapeutic so i'm thinking i might bring some lego into the office just you to should. sit there building lego <laughs> that's gonna be my thing that's gonna yeah. be like massive like star wars galaxy I'm sure the people in the who office work of lego at lego <laughs> or at least in legoland windsor mm. are quite happy actually well, we live up the road from them I was, I was there last friday were you mm-hmm. that sounds like a good friday stayed night in the, stayed in the legoland hotel anyway. did you actually living the dream wow. my 10 year old <laughs> self would be very very jealous of that I wasn't big enough last time I went. Again, I've got lots of kind of childhood trauma, mm-hmm. clearly, um, to, go on, to go on the rides that my friends did. So I need to kind of revisit that as well. Trumpet and Lego. Mm-hmm. Why did you hate Lego? I think I, I hated it. I mean, loved it when I was little. And I think I've just always hated the idea of it, all the little bits. And, and now suddenly, on. I've got it back in my life through my son. Yeah. That when I look at it and go, oh, God, that's going to take me an hour to build. Once I've started building it, yeah. I'm like, actually... I can do this. There's kind of adult <laughs> Lego now. Have you seen it? Mm. Lego's moved on. Yeah. So you can get kind of grown-up looking Well, there's a new one. There's a new Friends range. Is there? Yeah, there's a whole cafe. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Oh, actually, now you say the cafe. Yeah, I was thinking about the people. That's quite interesting. Mm. Reenact scenes from that. Um, what was the last piece of advice you gave to someone? Um, I think normally my piece of advice is like, fuck them. Um, <laughs> it's like a genuine one in the office. That I, yeah, that's what Emma would say. Okay. Um, on that level, um, as the, well, actually, it was it was don't it was block out the haters because someone was asking about a business idea and friends yeah. and family were saying don't do it and stuff. So and you're a classic. I'm very much yeah. If you that. really believe in it, um, and I always say in the one bit of advice I always say to people is like you think of the worst case scenario. What's the worst thing that can happen if you go for it? And I remember doing that when I launched, and I thought the worst thing that can happen is I'll end up sleeping on friends' sofas because I can't pay my rent. Yeah. I can do that. Sounds quite fun. So, yeah, exactly. And so to me, it's always like, yeah, what's the worst case scenario? Yeah. And if you can survive the worst case scenario, then what have you got to lose? Exactly. It all comes back to that comfort zone, the safe, yeah. feeling safe. It's not a good place Get to be for long. Get out of your comfort zone, no. Yeah. Uh, if you could be one age, what would you like to be and why? Do you know what? It's weird because I'd be 40, which was, you know, I'm 41 now. Um probably for turning 40 but when I turned 40 I was pregnant I do have three small kids and it's exhausting so I've kind of got this mismatch of okay I'd be that yeah if I was if I was 40 but no kids (laughs) then that would be with everything going on with yeah Yeah. I think they're crazy you can't I don't think anyone in their right mind when kids are sort of under five want to be back in that zone Okay. So I've had a real mix kind of yeah. on one hand, I've been in that zone personally, kids-wise, and then the other hand, business-wise, and socially and just self-awareness and just not caring really. Yeah. <laughs> um, and being comfortable in skin has all happened at the same time. So it's sort of, yeah. Okay, so it's a real turning point, Forty. Mm. Do you miss the mid-twenties party, Emma? No, because I'm still out and about partying. Um, <laughs> just not every night of the week. Um, it's just slightly more planned. Um, no, I don't because I was so insecure in my 20s and had issues really? left friends And just, you know, and sort of, yeah, not common. I always joke that back then and I was single and, you know, mid-20s and I had no interest in taking my clothes off or getting involved in anything then. And now, yeah, post three kids where I no longer care and I'm so comfortable <laughs> in my own body. I'm like the irony. Yeah. It's like, now I can't. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so... So 40? Yeah. If you could banish one phrase from the earth, or at least from this office, what do you think it would be? What do people use too much? 
Oh, think outside the box. Right. Oh, that really annoys me. Or blue, or blue sky thinking. Blue sky it's thinking. like all this, there's so many like agency buzz words and expressions that you're like, well, what exactly does it mean? Yeah, <laughs> think outside the box is it's kind of, now it's so obvious. Yeah, to, more to, to that's just like, use your people. own brain. Yeah, don't <laughs> yeah. just do what other people are doing. Yeah. But, it'd be, but maybe that's the same as getting outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Who knows? We're all it is, but that's just a bit more edgy now. Get out of your comfort yeah, zone rather than think outside the box. <laughs> Do people th- say things in this office and you say, that's not a kid in kittens word, don't use that? No, because they kind of, the people we get are sort of real, yeah, mishmash, um, quirky. And people, that, and now also most people haven't come from, you know, the, yeah. a big agency corporate culture. So they kind of haven't got those expressions and terms groomed. sort of, yeah, yeah, groomed into them. They're often <laughs> ways, I think, of, um, of cheating, basically. You mm. don't really know something, but you've got three or four stock phrases. Yeah. They can get you out of almost any scenario. Yeah, completely. And you sit there going, you're just bullshitting. Yeah. Someone told me a really good thing to say, if you don't know what you're talking about, is say, um, there are three parts to this. And then you say anything in those three parts, people go, yeah. God, he's really thought about that. If Do you know what? That parts, one I've kept hearing, and someone um, um, said it last year about when you're pitching to investors, yeah. is that like if they ask you a tricky question... Say, well, say I think- well, actually, there are three. <laughs> yeah. I, there are three parts that answer it. Yeah. Of, and I think anyone that knows will know that's what they're doing. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. I've, seen, I've seen people say it to me, yeah. and I kind of go, "Hold on, mm-hmm. yeah. I know that back trick. it up." It's pretty good, <laughs> unless, of course, there are just three really interesting parts to it. But yeah. they rarely are. Yeah, it's a definite way of stalling the conversation yeah. so that you can get it back in control. Yeah, exactly. And, and act like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Well, we are all bullshitters, as you say. We are so maybe winging it's not it. A terrible thing. Big time. Do you have any kind of quirky interview rituals or questions you ask when people come and apply for a job here? Um, Do you go to the pub with them? Is that important? Well, do you know what? I've kind of had the hiring bit taken out of my hand by the CEO because I, yeah, I kind of like most people. Okay. And won't ask the right questions. And yeah. They're cool. So we kind of have a joke that he will do that and then I might meet them at the end once everyone else is... Yeah okayed it so I don't really get much say in it okay fine at that point it's done um, but then what happens is like they get told don't go out for a drink with Emma because you'll end up in Platinum Lace Strip Club till like five in the morning okay. and that's when the initiation really fine. happens I can imagine mm-hmm. I think they should all do that they should <laughs> I all think go they through all that still, I've basically broken the virginity of most people on the <laughs> on the lap dancing front okay <laughs> that's good uh, what have you done recently for the first time um what have I done recently for the first time? Do you know, I, all my sports stuff, a lot of the sports challenges I do, because we've got a big group called The Sisterhood and we do loads of crazy sports events for different charities. And so every year we did a new, spun the channel mm-hmm. towards the end of last year and ran from LA to Vegas. Did you they do were it like in first times. <laughs> LA to Vegas? So we did a relay, yeah. Through the desert? Yeah, so we relay ran from wow. LA to Vegas. And you spun the channel? Four of us relay swam up. Did you have to put all the, the whale blubber on or whatever it is? No, we cheated. We went in wetsuits. If you want an official, yeah, if you want an official stiff again, it's the official yeah. channel swim. And we were like, okay. no, I I'd get cold too quickly. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't talk. I don't think I've swam at length <laughs> for about 20 years. Um, what is your most treasured possession? Probably my dog. I've got cocker spaniel. Does that count? That I think counts. living Does things are possession? possession. You can't that, own a dog. It's its own thing. But you know, I don't, I'm not a possession person. I'm not, I don't, yeah. you know, we did our house insurance and I'm like, wedding ring. And I've got a three grand racing bike. That's kind okay. of, I'm not really, Fine. you know, I'm not a designer person. I don't have, yeah. Is so. there a, a flyer or a ticket stuff from the first ever? Do you know what I've got? I, no, there isn't. But I have got 
two champagne corks that one from when the first financial wow. raise closed and one from the second that we yeah so i've got them i just need to put them in in a case yeah, or something. mount them with when we do that's the, quite good September one. did you write yeah. the date on them or something would you just know what they're i just know them they're in a drawer yeah. i need to do something with It'd be them. quite interesting <laughs> to mark your life with champagne corks different i probably definitely you could definitely i should have could. collected them earlier should have got that first hilarious cork. story yeah yeah <laughs> uh, is there a book that's influenced you more than anything else um, do you know what there's a massive one Pillars of the Earth I can't remember who wrote it I read it in my 20s I mean it's like about it's huge um, yeah. and that I mean it's fiction but it's it's all community it's like goes back to the 14th century and then building a cathedral but it goes through hundreds and hundreds of it's years fiction. of this family oh cool um, and I don't know for some reason it just sort of has always been my favourite book and I've read it a couple of times and it's just that that sense of community and that and also that to me it's sort of, it, it defines that you're part of a much bigger picture and that you know why you're worrying about something goes yeah. on in the next 30 seconds when if you look yeah the, yeah, in the, in the, yeah, it's perspective, and it's it, it, that's what the book yeah. to me is. Yeah, are you a spiritual person? Do you think about the cosmos? And I am spiritual, and I have a great faith in things are meant to be and things happening for a reason, and not fighting it. And um, and we're a part of a much bigger you okay. know, entity. And um, and I'm all, every day I'm grateful. It sounds cheesy, but it's just sort of. And I say that to, you know, that's advice I give to people. It's like you can get so bogged down in your own nitty gritty that actually, and actually if you walk, go for a walk and think about all the things you're grateful for that day or the day before, it just completely changes your mindset and makes you realise just actually most of the stuff you're worried about yeah. is just irrelevant. Do you consciously do that? Do you consciously yeah. kind of list things? I've got much better. Do you write them down or do you just say them out loud or how do you do it? Um, just say it out loud. Like we live right on the river, so okay. I'll, go, I'll walk the dogs and... And say to the dog, what's the dog called? Rex. Rex. And we've just got a little puppy. I'm so happy <laughs> about this sandwich I had for lunch. Is it, like, is it on that kind of level? I don't mean say it out loud. I will think it. Oh, fine, fine. Yeah. Okay. Because some, someone told me you have to say them out loud. But really? If Maybe you're I'll on the tube or something, it's hard to Yeah, no, I, I could do that say, because so no one's happy. on the river with me. Yeah. Okay. I might yeah, try maybe that next shout time. into a river. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> That's a top tip from a sales <laughs> shout at rivers. Um, what's your personal motto? Do you have a personal motto? Um... No, I mean, I've got loads. I mean, I've, I love the whole, for the weather to change, the winds must blow. And you say that to people when they're suddenly like, shit, this is all changing. And I'm like, well, okay. that's what, you know what I mean? It's sort of between weather changes, that it, the wind blows and you kind of you have this uncertainty and, you know, Brexit, classic example. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just sort of that go with it. Yeah. And what's your idea of happiness then? When do you um, think you've been happiest? To me, my, it's the same with success. It's, ha you know, being successful and being um, happy to me is being able to have that balance. So, you know, I'm very lucky and it's sort of been part of my positioning in that, you know, I don't, I come into the office probably two, three days a week and actually I could, I could go and pick the girls up from nursery or pick Raph up from school and, and actually have that, have that time. I'm not sort of, and that, being able to have that balance and go away for a weekend and go on holiday and I'm not governed by 20 days of holiday a year. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, being able to balance that home work life to me is defines happiness and success. Yeah, you've um, got to have both, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Amazing. That balance. Emma, thank you very much. It's been fascinating. Thank Thanks for you. coming on the episode. Thanks for on having me. On the podcast, even.
Well, if you enjoyed that episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast, you'll almost certainly love the Gentleman's Journal magazine, the world's finest dispatch from the front line of luxury, entrepreneurship and style. In fact, lucky podcast listeners like you now get 20% off our annual subscription. Just enter the code POD20 at thegentlemansjournal.com to find out more.